This is the Territory Story Podcast News Bites. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Yes, hello, welcome. This is the Territory Story Podcast News Bites. I'm Peter Gowers. Hope you're having a great week. Let's get straight to the NT Independent Online newspaper now and chat to the editor, Chris Walsh. Walshy, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Pete. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, my friend. Big, big week in news as always, but now we're back into the cut and thrust of a normal news cycle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, and we've had some of that kind of news that you expect this time of year, I yeah. guess, with the roads being washed yeah. out and the rail line being washed out and no food on the shelves, uh, which seems to happen every year now. It does. There was uh, lots of stark photos for a couple of days. Uh, but then I was very pleased when I saw your story regarding the road trains uh, are now allowed to get through in dribs and drabs, of course, but um, the shelves are starting to get refilled again. That's right. Yeah. So look, we had the chief minister held a press conference yesterday morning, which we were invited to and attended uh, to ask some questions, which was good. And uh, what this was about, I, I guess she was thanking the truck drivers for bringing food. And, and uh, you know, they were held up, I guess, 30 to 40 hours, according to uh, one of the trucking companies. And, of course, when the uh, the Stewart Highway, large section of that kind of washed out, damaged from, from the floodwaters. And uh, apparently they had been working on some areas there that, uh, that, that, that became most damaged by the by floodwaters. Uh, so yeah, they've they've shut those or they had to shut it down. They then reopened it on Monday because by about Sunday morning, I guess word was getting out that this was happening and people were losing it and clearly yeah. buying a whole bunch of stuff they didn't need. COVID rushed um, in. And so yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what it was reminiscent of. And so not a lot on the shelves by Sunday lunchtime. Uh, so yeah, and then Monday they've, uh, opened it up a bit, closed it again at six. And apparently the chief minister was saying that they're going to close it at six now indefinitely to do upgrade work. So if you're not, you know, if you, I, well, one of the trucking companies said, well, we got express deliveries and stuff, but they know if they're not at that point by 6 PM that there's going to be problems. And so that's how it's going to go. Now we asked if, um, the government was looking at permanently upgrading sections of that highway to prevent these food shortages occurring every year. Uh, Lawler said there was a rolling program of works that her government would be seeking further funds from the federal government to address uh, those sections. Uh, yeah, so she said, yeah, we, we can't do it all. She said, not that anyone asked her that. We just like, you know, we talked to one of the truckers there at the press conference who said, yeah, he said, look, we know where the, the problems are. He said, we know where the common spots are, where the road goes down. It's only sort of once a year, but it's gradually getting fixed. So we're getting there. He said, now she said, uh, that four to five billion. She said, you know, my estimate is if you wanted to upgrade the whole length of the Stewart Highway from Alice to Darwin, which nobody suggested, uh, you're probably looking at, you know, four billion, five billion, maybe even six billion. So now government is going to do that all at once. It's the work that we're doing where you do a section at a time and you do those critical sections. So, uh, That's yeah, what okay, we're asking well, for. we know where the, yeah, we know where the critical sections are. So let's get that going so that this doesn't happen every year. Now, meanwhile, Lawler said Horizon, of course, that's a company that operates the Adelaide Darwin rail line. 
uh, was still waiting for water levels to subside north of Tennant Creek before it could repair the line. Uh, the damage section, larger than originally believed, I think on Sunday was reported that it was about 500 meters. It's now a two kilometer, two kilometer section. The rail line kind of damaged severely in these yeah, floodwaters. Wow. So going to take some time to get that done, but, um, they are moving on it. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, she was, we, we had to report on the weekend. She had to cancel her trip to, uh, Japan yes. because I guess she didn't want to get caught in a, a Scott Morrison type of situation <laughs> where the place is burning in this case would be flooded. Yeah. In this case would be flooded out and, uh, she's in Japan on a holiday. Uh, so <laughs> she canceled field. that. Yeah. Well, she postponed it, I should say. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see where, um, when that takes off again. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I think the flood uh, or the waters weren't as bad as people expected. Of course, you did have people, some uh, medically vulnerable people airlifted from pigeonhole again, uh, mm. which we know last year flooded out and they started building the homes back there in the same spot the government did. And, uh, despite, I think mm. we ran a story last year, even with the mayor saying, no, nah, no, nah, we can't we got to move this like we can't continue to do this and so they continue to do it and now once again there's damage there they're currently uh uh i guess assessing all of that damage in pigeonhole now cal karinji she said was looking fine a lot of people from pigeonhole went there dagaragu was another place that flooded last year you recall um yeah also expect to be some damage there i think so uh anyway yeah it's kind of a replay of last year and we haven't learned many lessons no we haven't hopefully um the Howard Springs, what was it, Center for International Resilience? Or <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that uh, doesn't yeah, get exactly. smashed up in uh, in the interim. <laughs> well, you know, remember that they that the uh, defense force has yes. taken that over. Yep. So uh, it wasn't available this time. But uh, the chief minister had said the other day that they had uh, Fosky Pavilion at the oh, yeah. showgrounds was set up. Mm. So they're going back to that wasn't needed to the extent that they thought it would be. So that's yeah. good news. But um, yeah, that's actually, times. that's actually not a bad, um, uh, a, a bad exercise in reverse psychology as well. If you put them out there at mm. Fosky Pavilion, you'll only do it once because they'll never volunteer to go back there, no matter what the situation is at home. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I remember that they used that for years. There. They did. It didn't seem to be the issue. No. You know, but it's just tents, right? Yeah, so yeah. You're not smashing. There's, no, no, there's right. nothing to smash. No, that's exactly <laughs> so. right. Anyway. Yeah, I'm crazy. Mate, uh, Mark Monaghan's in the news again, uh, defending the indefensible and uh, saying that, <laughs> yeah, my decision was a great one. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, Pete, I couldn't, I just, I still, I still don't get this. It's still, even we asked Lawler about it yesterday at the press conference. Like, why won't you just get these two guys? This is Chancey Paik and, and Duran Young to pay back the money that they charge taxpayers for this, for their personal yeah. interstate holidays back Christmas 22. Uh, and she said, no, those, those were the rules at the time. Those were the rules at the time as well. Yeah. But Monaghan made those rules. Like they weren't actually the rules yeah. at the time. They actually and, weren't. Uh, the anyway, look, it was, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, this was done deliberately and secretively. Remember, it wasn't even reported to all MLAs at yeah. the time. He made a secret ruling days before Christmas. Only these two guys knew about it, took advantage of it, charged taxpayers for their money, refused to pay it back. So now we've got independent MLA, uh, Mark Turner coming out and saying, look, if these two clowns aren't going to pay it back, which they should, 
then Monaghan should pay it back because Monaghan's the one who, you know, unilaterally went in there, uh, monkeyed with the determinations and made it so that they could do that. Because, Pete, like I said, the, the, the tribunal is the body that sets the salaries and entitlements. Uh, Monaghan mm-hmm. took it upon himself to do this without real justification. He was asked about why he didn't go to the tribunal to ask their guidance before making this determination. And he said, well, he didn't explain why he didn't go. In fact, he said that his office, when he was speaker, went to the tribunal for other issues to seek clarification, but he didn't on this one. And again, this is just taxpayers funding this uh, uh, Christmas holidays for for politicians, which I don't think anyone's going to accept. And I and I still don't understand why these guys just don't do the right thing and pay it back. Now, the tribunals come out and said, uh, it's not appropriate. This will not happen going forward from January 1st on. But um, they're just refusing to take responsibility and accountability for this very poor decision uh, to charge taxpayers, which, you know, Turner rightly called an erosion of public trust. I think at the end of the day, there's there's no one that believes it was appropriate. And sometimes, you know, you find politicians doubling down on dumb decisions. That's how it feels. Yeah, well, especially with Labour here and, and, you know, their integrity questions that still linger after the previous two chief ministers. Um, And look, yeah, Turner went on to say, he said, somebody should pay this back while hardworking families in Palmerston juggle the rising cost of living and focus on the essentials. Members of the current Labour leadership are seemingly gallivanting across Australia with their pockets lined by public funds. The recent revelations around alleged misuse of entitlements by Labour MLAs, including the Deputy Chief Minister, are more than just a blip. They're a glaring example of a systemic issue within the party where rules are bent, standards are conveniently forgotten when it suits those in power or those pulling their strings in factional power plays. I think he's he's onto something there with how Labour functions and operates here. And this is an example. This, like I said, was an opportunity for the chief minister to, to fix this, to, to set a proper tone for her leadership that she failed on here. And even when we asked her yesterday, the fact she's still playing this game of, well, those were the rules at the time when they weren't. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what, where they go here with this, but there's going to be more about this, of course. You know, there may be other violations that have gone on here and all of this. And like I said, we're not going to drop it any time yeah. soon. There's There'll, there'll, there'll be more to come on this for sure, Pete. And we'll, there's a few other things here too to get into on the weekend again. Yep, absolutely. Love him or hate him. I think he's articulated perfectly how people are thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. And just lastly, Chris, before we let you go, uh, NT Corrections, their recruitment campaign has fallen short of addressing understaffing in NT prisons. Yeah, so Pete, as we know, I mean, look, you, you had a riot uh, in Alice Springs prison there in uh, early January uh, or late December. And uh, yeah, the, this, you know, as they say, is probably a, a result of uh, not just the overcrowding, but the understaffing. We know uh, uh, prisons in the NT are at record levels now uh, where watch houses are needing to be utilized as prison cells for uh, for all the inmates that we're putting in there. And yet the, the corrections numbers haven't really grown at the same pace as the, as the number of inmates going in. 
So what the uh, correction commissioner, Matthew Varley, has said is that the latest recruitment campaign has been successful. He says that they've recruited 150 personnel last year, uh, 50 newly graduated prison officers coming on board last week. However, he said uh, because of these record numbers and that he expects the number of detainees to grow further, uh, he's saying at least 50 more prison guards are needed immediately. Uh, he says, I don't see that trajectory changing a lot in the near term, which is this, what he said was a significant increase in the prison population over the past 12 months. So we know the figures tell us that there's roughly 2,200 detainees in the NT between Darwin and Alice Springs prisons. Uh, and the prison population at record levels still rising. Uh, now, Varley said that they, the corrections, uh, has built new infrastructure. They've expanded facilities and adding on new programs and services. But of course, they don't really have the staff to provide those programs and services. Yeah. Um, something that uh, they uh, the CLP picked up on the opposition again, saying that um, these understaffing uh, issues and corrections leading to detainees not being able to participate in rehabilitation programs to the same extent as they used to. Uh, Josh Burgoyne, a uh, member in Alice Springs, saying some of those areas aren't being utilized because they can't guarantee the safety of prison guards with the number of inmates they have. That's the reality of what happens in prison when we don't have enough staff. People aren't undertaking those programs, and obviously when they come out, they're worse off for it. Uh, that's true. We want to see those uh, inmates getting whatever help they need, what other mm -hmm. programs they need to be successful coming out and not getting back in there. But I mean, it's just another, I think, symptom of, of the bigger problem, isn't it? That uh, we we don't know what we're doing here to fight crime and to no. crime, bring those crime levels down. And when you see this, uh, yeah, that they're not in there, they can't provide the necessary programming uh, when they're in jail. And yeah, what kind of hope do they have when they get out? So yeah, yeah, yeah they're going to have to, I guess, keep going on this recruitment drive, but it's going to take a lot more. I think they said there was 640 custodial officers now um right. but they need more because we're just filling the jails and not having the services worrying stuff so, chris yeah yeah it absolutely really is. and uh when you consider that the clp's uh three-point plan is to throw more people in jail um not sure yeah. where we're going to put them <laughs> No, look, and these lines were from a statement, but the next opportunity we have, we'll be asking the CLP, well, what is your plan to overhaul the corrections yeah. department here? Because correctional services yeah. can't keep up here. And to just say that, I mean, how are you going to bring in more people? You know, we haven't heard that yet. And then those are the kind of issues that people want to know now in the lead up to the election, which, again, I point out is seven months from today when we're recording this <laughs> right. on Wednesday, seven months. So. Uh, the NT Electoral Commission put out a uh, email today saying, telling everybody that it's eight months. So, uh, oh, really? correct our friend Ian there and say, hey, don't. Mm. It's actually coming up a lot quicker than you think. It's seven yeah, months yeah. from today. Yep. They must have uh, taken a big Christmas and New Year break and forgotten about the month they just blew away. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I was thinking. I was going <laughs> to let them know that. But yeah, yeah, seven months from today. So, yeah, it's uh, kind of not good enough anymore for the CLP to just criticize. I think now's the no. time that we start seeing what the plans are no, for how they're going to fix it. Because it needs to be fixed. Couldn't agree more. Mate, I look forward to catching you on the weekend edition. Yeah, great. Thanks, Pete. We'll talk to you then. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent. Weekends with Walsh, you back again on the weekend. That'll be released around 7 a.m. Saturday morning. And we'll catch you again next week on the Territory Story podcast, News Bites. That was the Territory Story News Bites for this week. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.